Hi, this is Victoria Miracle and Purposeful Woman Podcast. My goal for this podcast is to bring you the best information from the brightest woman in the world. Let's go. Hi, and I am Victoria, and I'm your host today. This show is for those who want to get on the mission and help the world. Today, we have Sandra D. Robinson. Hi, Sandra. Hi, thanks for having me. Yes, thank you for coming. Sandra D. Robinson is an actress, TV host, confidence coach, and an owner at Charisma Camera Performance Coaching. She have been seen on QVC, ABC, CBC, NBC, all major networks, and been featured as a frequent guest on the radio shows and popular podcasts. I'm so honored to have you here, Sandra. Uh, thank you. And you specialize in the leadership and horses. Let's yes. start from those. Let's start. How? What is your story? How did you become a confidence? Uncommon coach and the leadership with the horses. What's very interesting because when I say that I'm a communication and leadership coach, people say, Oh, okay. I said, and I, I partner with fellow coaches that happen to be horses, and people kind of tilt their head and go, What? Uh, <laughs> but the trajectory that I have, I mean, I, I've been in front of the camera, uh, television camera, since I was 11. And so I actually found acting because I wasn't comfortable in my own skin. I had, and I know a lot of people that may be watching this, uh, may have something, somebody in their life that's telling them something that isn't true, but they're believing it. So it'll be something along the lines of you're not worthy, you're not wanted, you're not talented, you're, you're not enough. And I had that fed to me by somebody that was very close to me. And even though I had support with my, my father, the news came from my mother and a girl spends a lot of time with her mother. So I, I really had no confidence. So it's ironic that you said you're a confidence coach. I'm like, yes, I am. And it did not come easily. So I chose acting. That was a release for me. I could be someone else. I didn't have to be me because if I wasn't worthy of being born, which is what I was told, I could be someone else. So it, 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 the more I did that and the better I got at it, the more comfortable I was being someone else, you know, and I think I've worked with a lot of artists and I find that for artists as well, whether they're musicians or, or fine artists or actors or something like that, they really do find comfort sometimes hiding behind their art. So they put their art forward and say, look at this, don't look at me. I was definitely one of those. And it got in the way because I was working in series work. So I had a big fan following. I was working in daytime television. I worked on a show called Another World for uh, all told nine years for that character. Sunset Beach, Bold and Beautiful, General Hospital, Days of Our Lives. We moved to online media and a show called The Bay, which is now Emmy Award winning, um, plus nighttime shows. So you'll still see my face pop up. Somebody posted on my Facebook page the other night. I think it was a, um, it wasn't CSI Miami. It was one of those. Anyway, I, I, I pop up here and there. So. You may still see my face on some of those things. But because of that, I was running into a lot of problems because I had a following. I, people thought that I was, in a way, I was famous. I had what seemed like everything going for me, but I couldn't hold a conversation with a stranger. Mm. And I was getting opportunities for media, which I now assist people in being comfortable with, and I couldn't 
figure out what to say to represent myself or open up my mouth and feel comfortable. I definitely was not what I seem to be today. And it's the reason that I teach what I teach today. So ironically, on the other side of that, growing up, I grew up outside because I kind of didn't feel comfortable with my mother. So I, and there weren't a lot of kids. She wasn't driving me to play dates, let's just say. So I was outside a lot with animals and horses were one of my favorite things growing up. And so it is kind of interesting that after all of this time, I continued my studies with human and animal behavior and got my own horse. I was probably mid thirties when I got my own, my, that I actually owned my own horse. And so it is kind of a perfect mesh right now that I've discovered that equine assisted coaching actually cuts straight to the root of who somebody is and how you're showing up. A horse is brutally honest. So all the work that I had done when I started Charisma on camera to help people be confident in front of a camera, I worked from the inside out anyway. I would find what is in that person and, and everybody watching has something in you that is perfectly designed to take you to where you are designed to be. So if you have a great sense of humor, don't push it down. If you have you know, a little goofiness in you, and even though you may be working in a corporate environment, that might be the thing that is gonna make you stand out. And so when I get somebody that has to work on presentation and leadership, I tend to look for those things that make them really special and pull that out. And as long as they're being authentic, then people resonate with them very well. When I have people working with the horses, which obviously is inside, outside, very different, work horses will be brutally honest and they will know when you're not being congruent and they will distance themselves it's very interesting so like you've been you know acting for so long like why why did you choose horses like why not dogs or right like horses is my favorite my favorite animal really totally get it yes horses and dogs my favorite animals because they're the best friends they're the best exactly like why use horses well Dogs are, as my dog just walked back into my office, dogs are great. And the great thing about dogs is, don't you wish that you could be half as good as the person your dog thinks you are, right? I love that phrase. Because you come home and it doesn't matter what has gone on, your dog is happy to see you and thinks that you're the best thing ever. Horses are quite the opposite. So it's not necessarily always great to see your horse because if I come out and I'm anxious and I just want to hang near my horse and, and I'm, I'm pretending on the outside that I'm fine but on the inside I'm anxious or I'm worried or I'm thinking about something else I'm not really present mm. if, if I can walk up to my to my horse and he'll want nothing to do with me <laughs> it's like um because in his mind he is he feels safe when you are present he wants you to be present with him. If you are not present, then he doesn't really want to hang with you. And so he'll walk away. And then that forces us as the human in that relationship to take a step back and go, all right, am I here? Am I calm? What do I need to do in order to get on the same page as this animal? So while dogs meet you wherever you are, working with a horse is more of a partnership thing. You have to know where you are and you have to accept you where you are. So the difference is to be, all our work, by the way, when we work with the horses is done on the ground. We don't ride, at least not at this point in my, my work, I don't have people ride. So you will literally walk up to this horse to build a relationship with it. You don't necessarily have to know anything about horses, but if you walk up and you say, I am confident and you're not, the mm. horse will walk away. 
But if you walk up and just because you are voicing it and you say, I am doing my best to be confident, I am learning to be confident, that horse will turn around and engage with you. Wow. That's some people think it's magic. It's actually, it's based on science, but it can be magical feeling for sure. Mm Well, I, I can totally relate to it. I, since I was young, I wanted to ride a horse and then um, it was just a little bit too expensive for my family. And then I grew up and I finally got to the horse and I was like so excited, right? I thought, I thought I'm just going to sit down and like ride like in the movies and it's yes. <laughs> So, and then, right, I've been, I've been studying and like going to school and it's just amazing. Horses is just beautiful well-beings and they just feel it like so, they just so feel it like your insecurity if you're not sure where to turn they will not listen to you if you want to if you're going to even tell them it's right magic it is magic like so how does it relate to right to leadership like what makes a great leader so what characteristic we get to embody to be leaders this is really interesting and i ask when i speak i ask this question a lot and first of all i'll ask who the horse people are and some of them will get this answer some of them will not So the question is, in the wild, in a herd of wild horses, who is the leader? You can say it would be the oldest male, the oldest female, the stallion. Who leads that herd? Who do they follow when it's time for the herd to move? And people will make all kinds of different guesses. And it's actually usually a female, but it's always the most calm and aware So in other words, just think about the leaders that we have, that we admire, that we follow, even in our own personal life, who we think is a great leader. They are usually not reactive. They're not emotional. They're not high strung and out there. If we want to feel safe being led by somebody, it's somebody that is calm, emotionally regulated, and aware of everything that's going on. So it isn't necessarily the prettiest female horse or the oldest. It is the one that is the most calm and aware. A stallion will sometimes protect and push the herd, but if it comes time to move to a better watering hole or better grazing situation, that is the horse that will that will lead them. It will be the female that is the most calm and aware. And that's something that people sometimes overlook as being one of the best things that you can harvest in your toolbox is to be emotionally regulated, not reactive to things, and to be aware of everything, every situation in your environment, in your business. Not that you have to multi, or what's the word I'm looking for? You have to micromanage your people, but you do have to have an awareness of what their skills are. Are things flowing in the right direction? Literally get used to that feel of energy in your business and in your environment and know when something is out of sync. That is some of the wisdom from the herd that leaders can really learn to abide by. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. Like how can learning about leadership, right? And be present can help us in your relationship or sales. So in the marketing, like the business perspective, let's talk about business. Well, it's interesting that you said sales. So that's leadership. You're leading somebody to make a good decision for them. That's what sales is. So you can be in a sales position at a company or you could be selling your own product or service. You are still in sales. So you want to encourage people, you wanna lead them in a conversation that is going to be able to show you 
what their needs are, how you can best help them, and what product or service is going to be the best for them. So even if you're watching this and you're interviewing and you don't have a position right now, you're selling yourself. So the, the trick to sales that a lot of people overlook, it's not formulaic, it's being present. It's that sense of charisma. You'll notice that Charismatic Cowgirl is the program that I use with the horses that I patented and Charisma on Camera was my first company. So there's something about the word charisma, which it, in a way it, it leads people to think that there's something special and unique and sparkly about you, that you draw attention. Well, you do that when you are confident with yourself and you are present. So some of the most charismatic people, I'll ask, you know, a lot of times, you know, who is the most charismatic person that you've ever met? And I get a lot of the same names that have repeated over the years. And every time that I get that name, it's usually accompanied with the same description, which is, I felt like I was the only one in the room. Mm. And you can do that. You don't have to be a president of the United States, which two of those people that get repeated on my answers are usually, there are two presidents, it's Bill Clinton and Ronald Reagan. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to be famous in order to be able to have somebody feel like they're the only one in the room. That is charismatic. That is the way to earn somebody's trust. That's being present. That means you take your phone and you don't just turn it upside down on the desk. You remove it from the desk. So studies have shown that even having a phone sitting out causes a slight degree of distraction in a conversation. Just put it away. I mean, right now, I think is such we're, we're in this great period of time where we're actually revisiting the value of relationships and understanding how important it is to be able to have those relationships. And one of my favorite phrases that I use is the quality of life is directly related to the quality of your relationships. The mm. best relationships are the ones that you feel like somebody is really there with you. Right? Yeah. I feel like now, you know, uh, with the crisis, like uh, lots of, a lot of relationship will be repaired because they're just forced to be present and yes. being there, being there for each other and actually like spending right this eye to eye time and maybe like some silent time. I feel like with the business owners who are just running a business and like I said, it's like a business of business and it's, yes. it's, it's just, yeah. And you don't have even time to just sit down and be really present. And it's sometimes it's even better than to say something, to just be there. Like your, pre your presence, your energy, like you said, it's just, it's yeah. just, yeah. There's going to be another baby boom soon. <laughs> yeah. I think, think it's going to be what, August or September is when it's going to be. Yeah. Like in nine months, what is it going to be baby boom? Yeah. Somewhere, somewhere yeah. around the end of the year or like starting next. I'll exactly. Be and now is the time to dance and stretch and move our bodies. Let's go. What, what keeps us from being present? Like how, how we can actually be more present and like, do there's a tool to practice. There's a like, I don't know, yes. right? Yeah. There's a lot of different ways that we can remind ourselves to be present. Being present is actually our nature. That is in our nature, which is one of the reasons why when I'm working with the horses and the person suddenly becomes present 
and actually will allow, allow themselves to be vulnerable. A lot of people that live in that busyness feel very vulnerable when they are present and quiet. It's become foreign, but it's also one of the reasons that we have so many issues with depression and anxiety and inability to handle stress. We have that emotional irregulation that is so common that people are taking drugs for it and they are seeking help outside of themselves. When, if we just acknowledge when we were kids, we played games and got completely wrapped up in it. In a, we could play by ourselves, right? Whether you're a girl or a boy, you had this imaginary world that you are 100% present in. And that, just, I mean, and that's still being present. You just created your own little space like this. You created something in the present moment and you are living in that. That is what we are capable of doing. But what we do is we project what's going to happen in the next hour. What do I have to have done by such and such a time? What about tomorrow's deadline? And we're constantly thinking about the next thing as opposed to being right in the moment, which is something that I think we are learning to do. When I gave a challenge in, in my Facebook group to just, and, and it's something we should be doing anyway, but I should put out a challenge to hold people accountable. I said, call five people, call five people and just check up on them. Just see how they're doing. And when you get caught up in that busyness, like you said, of their business or, or everyday chaos that we've become so accustomed to and that, that lack of being present in any one thing, multitasking, which we're so proud of, which just drives our brain a little bit cuckoo. When you, when you actually engage in, in being present and making that phone call to somebody just to say, hello, mm-hmm. like, we don't do that anymore. Right. Yes. And I mean, I can't tell you, I was flipping through my phone on a pick up my phone because it's a demonstration, but I was flipping through my phone looking for, well, who would I call next? And I saw two or three names that I really, people I really adored, but had fallen out of touch with. And I thought, well, gosh, you know, I want to make sure they're okay. And because of that, I have this relationship with them that has started back up again. I have guests for my podcast. I have one guy that's going to coach me through some of that new podcasting stuff, which is foreign to me. So, and just reconnecting with people and finding out what's going on in their life really enriched my life. And it's so easy to bypass that when we're just worried about the next deadline, the next thing, making sure our social media is being updated every couple of hours. And I'm not saying that that isn't important for business. It is. But the funny thing is, if we don't do that, like I started to take one full day off of technology. And I'm, mm-hmm. most of the time, I do it. And I panic sometimes at the beginning of the day. I'm not going to lie. I'll be like, oh my gosh, but I have, to do, I have to do this. And I'll just literally leave the house to get away from my computer and get away from what I think I need to do. The sky does not fall. Yeah. And it's like a good way to relate to it, right? Like I get to do it because when I feel like I have to, I'm like, I don't have to do anything. Like, no, I get to do this stuff and it's, it's good for me. And it's look from like the positive perspective on that. Absolutely. That's a, that's a perspective shift, Victoria. And that's a really, that's a really good way to look at it. It changes your perspective on your, your to-do list Mm -hmm. that you get to do it. Yes. That's great. Yeah. 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 I mean, I totally can relate, right? When you leave and you just constantly just like keeping up, keeping up. Like I still live in New York city in my early twenties and it was just crazy. Like, yeah. like I, had I did too. 
Yeah. So, and yeah, you totally get the vibe of the city and it's like, it, it's not even you, like <clears throat> the vibes start driving you. Yes. And you become that person who is like cut up on the next and the next thing. Yeah. I remember walking down the street and mm -hmm. when I first moved to New York City, I came from the Midwest. I came from outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania mm -hmm. and moving straight to New York City when I was just 18 okay. with my white clothes, like, you know, so did not fit in at all. <laughs> but I remember walking and like looking at people and New Yorkers didn't look at people. Like there was no connection there. It was, it was a very strange adjustment, but I fell into it because well, this is what people do here. This is what I'm going to do to fit in. Only I didn't feel very good. I did not feel good there. It, it was not a vibe that worked for me. So I ended up, um, I was working on a show that shot in Brooklyn anyway. So I ended up moving out that direction and moving on to the beach. I was very close mm. to work and it allowed me to be back into that natural thing. Even though I live next to Central Park in Manhattan, it wasn't quite the same for me. Oh, so it's crazier. I used to live in Columbus Circle. I yes. Watching it from, you know, from New York or who knows New York City. It's like the Columbus Circle. And the right when I was getting out, it's just the craziness even more because there is a tourist place. And all yes. the places in New York, it's all overcrowded. And like, yes. you get out, you're like, whoa, slow down, slow down. It's exactly. like, exactly. Yeah. Well, and we can, we can adjust to that. But if we don't allow the balance and the reset, I call it a reset, right? So sometimes like during the craziness that we're going through right now as we're recording this, mm -hmm. I, I realize that I get my reset by literally walking outside one of my doors and standing with my horses and listening to the mm -hmm. birds because I'm surrounded by nature. And so I took up the camera one day, just my cell phone, and took a picture of my horse grazing a video, which is like 45 seconds, and I posted it. And I tell you my first couple of responses, I posted it on LinkedIn, which is all business, right? So I think I'm going to look like a complete idiot, but this is being in the present moment in business and being who I am mm -hmm. and offering what helps me. This is all the things that we can do to be present is recognize all of that. And this is something that helps me. And I thought, well, people may think this is crazy, but I'm going to post this, this 45 second video of a horse eating and say, turn the sound up. So you can hear him actually tearing the grass and you can hear the birds and the roosters and all that stuff. And then I posted it. And the very first response I got was a woman that I didn't know who simply said, I started sobbing, so I watched it again. Which meant that her anxiety level was so high that something as simple as watching a horse graze was able to get through to her. And if I, and I noticed that with every, I posted for several days in a row. And every time that I would post something, I get at least one person that gave me a comment like that, which led me to believe that people do need anything to be able to reset. So if that means that you have a moment where you can practice either tapping, which is a, a method that you can use to calm yourself, breathing, there's apps like Headspace that can actually bring you into that, you know, that state that can kind of reset you. What I, what's have that? you ever heard of Singtuition app? Singtuition. No. Oh my God. They have binaural music, binaural. Like, oh, cool. Different levels of it. And it's just wonderful. Or 8D, like eighth number D technology music. If you even look at a Spotify, cool. it's like massage for your brain. It's free, like in Spotify. 
it's yes. like it goes from one side to another in the headphones. It's, it's so cool. I was just listening to it like two days ago and now it's sent it to like all my contact lists. I was like, guys, listen, this is like a massage for brain. It's just, yes. So Our brains are amazing, but we have to understand that they can't burn all the time. And you, especially if you're doing something in your business that isn't where your gifts are. Right. I know that you've got somebody that talks about human design that's in your summit here. And that's going to be fascinating for people that don't understand that you burn your brain and your, your energy out when you're doing something that isn't your Isn't thing. you. Isn't right. your design. Isn't it's you. not your flow. It's not your design. Exactly. And so many of us are, are doing things that are not our design and we're completely exhausted at the end of the day. And one of the other things that you can tap into, an emotion that will help you to focus and stay energized and positive, just recently has been studied a little bit more because all the stuff you're talking about with the brain, I'm a total brain geek. I mean, yeah. I, obviously with what I do, that's something that I'm fascinated with. And there's an emotion by the name of awe, A-W-E. I'm sure people know what it is cognitively, but the actual sensation of awe in our body allows us to focus and remain positive. So most positive emotions, all other positive emotions that have been studied like happiness and joy will energize us and get us riled up. Well, if you're already riled up in energy, you don't really want to add to that. Mm -hmm. So the idea of finding something to be in awe of, which is something that happens with the horses a lot of times naturally, because just of the presence of a horse can put somebody in that state. But to be able to actually find those things in your life, even if you're living in New York City, to be able to find a moment where you can be in awe of something and totally get enveloped in that, whether it's a, a bee on a flower or you know, pigeons that are talking with one, on, one another on your balcony, there are things that you can do even if you're in the city that will allow you to find this sense of awe and just go into that state for a few minutes. And I have a, I think I'm giving you guys actually a free uh, gift of one of those things. It's awe inspirations. It's, it's daily prompts where you can find and tap into this emotion because it doesn't energize you. It lifts you up in positivity. It increases the dopamine in your brain and yet it will focus you so that you can actually get tasks done and bring, bring, bring you right into the present moment, which is really cool. So wonderful. Well, I'll include the link below for you guys. Is it, so it's a checklist or is it, what does it tell more about? Like oh, the prompts? Yeah, the prompts are actually, they look like, they look like cards. Yeah. So what it'll do, there's usually a quote or two on each page with a nice visual, but then it'll encourage you to look in your environment for something that you can be in awe of. So it could be something that's very vast, like the sky nighttime or daytime, right? You can get lost looking at the stars going, oh my gosh, or it could be just watching clouds and watching how they reform. And, or it could be something very, very minute, like an anthill. Those are fascinating. You can totally get lost and be in awe of something like that. Looking at the, pick up a dandelion mm. and really start to look at how it's made and realize how tiny this is and how intricate it is. And just to start like, you know, analyzing that and go into that space. And, and the remarkable design of something like that. Most of the time you can find these awe inspirations in the natural world. But like I said, you don't have to be living where I am, out in you know rural Texas, outside of Austin and the whole country. You don't have to be out here. You can be in a city and you can find these things that will allow you to, within minutes, be able to reset your brain and get into that state. So it works in a lot of the same ways, you know, to reset your brain, like the binaural 
music or the sounds that you were talking about. Your brain needs to be able to reset itself. If you don't calm down, if you don't take that time to be able to allow that, you will end up feeling sick. I, I know I burned myself out. I mean, in my mid thirties, I just kept, I can do more, I can do more, I can do more. And I think that for yet, when you're younger, especially you think, oh, I'll never burn out. I can do this. And I ended up really like getting myself in serious trouble. Like my digestive system, my lymph, like everything started to just, my adrenals were almost shot. And it was just because I never stopped. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And I absolutely agree with everything you said. It's the same happened to me when I was in 20s and just burned myself to nervous breakdown in New York. That's why I moved to Los Angeles. And I'm like, I get to remove myself from, a, from that environment. I want to close up on that. And it's just amazing, right? How we can use the horses to be a leaders and yeah. use emotions yes. to bring back to be very leaders with the horses. And yes. Find this awe. And the horses will help us to find this awe moments in our yeah. life. And I have those videos up and I have, you know, I do post if you follow me, I'm encouraged to follow me on, on social media. Just Google me, look me up. And and I put a lot of the, the lessons, sometimes I put videos up where I'm actually discussing like what we're watching with the horses and things. I have a mentorship program and that's part of what we do is I, I shoot the herd behavior and then I sit with the ladies and we talk about what they see and, and how does that equate to their life and the people they work with, you know, what is this, what does this remind you of and, and how can we use what we're learning to actually change the environment that we're in and make a bigger impact, like you were saying and to be able to fulfill our mission because we have to be good leaders. We have to be calm. We have to be aware of what's going on and, and be able to emotionally regulate, which means taking care of ourselves first. And that's something that's very, very easy to overlook. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Sandra. And just thank you for being here. It's absolutely wonderful interview. And I just ah, love it. Love it. Thanks for having me. Thank you. And uh, thank you all for being here and uh, stay tuned. We'll, we'll come back in the next series. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. If you love this podcast, please make sure to rate, subscribe and review it. And of course, you can get in touch with me everywhere online at purposefulwithlday.com. And I can't wait to see you next time. Kisses.